Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network, and me, your host, Matt Brennan. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. This is part two of the NFC West episode. Me and Dennis here will start kicking off here just a minute, talking about the San Francisco 49ers, and then obviously the Arizona Cardinals, the last two teams in the NFC West. But of course, before we get to that, we have to let you know who this episode is brought to you by as well, in partner with the Pulse Podcast Network. It is Ticks Blitz. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TixFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TickFlix. That's TickFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Again, guys, make sure to use our promo code PULSE, that is capital P-U-L-S-E, PULSE, capital PULSE, that will get you guys 5% off all your tickets, great site, just check it out, you guys will understand what I'm talking about, other than that, let's go ahead and start jumping into the NFC West. And we're back, guys, with the second half of the NFC West, Uh, obviously, guys, if you listened to the first episode, you know that we talked about the winners of that division, both teams making the playoffs, and the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. We are now moving on to the bottom half of the uh, the NFC West division. Both teams uh, 
did not do good at all. Obviously, San Francisco Niners, San Francisco 49ers, who finished 4-12, and and the Arizona Cardinals, who finished 3-13. and The 49ers, most of their stuff obviously being based around the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt yet again. That kind of put the day, and well, Jared McKinnon actually, too, uh, got hurt. That really kind of put the damper, uh, a damper on their season as they kind of came in with a lot of hope. And then the Arizona Cardinals, who suffered a lot of injuries on their offensive line and just kind of looked piss poor all year. Before we jump into the San Francisco 49ers, though, as you guys always know, Dennis Bennett is with me again here. We're going to be talking about the NFC West. You ready to go, Dennis? I am fired up and ready to go. Well, all right, then let's just jump right into it. The San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen it now for the past couple years, suffering major injuries and kind of cutting his season short with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we saw him obviously get hurt in New England as well, got traded over, then he kind of showed out, looked good. Everybody got all excited about him, and then again we saw him get hurt with the knee injury. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer at quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? I, I do think he's the answer. Um, you know, he's a he's a good thrower of the ball. He runs the offense well. I think he is uh, just what they need. The injury, you know, the injuries have been, I don't know, I don't know if fluky is the word. It's football and people get injured. It's a a rough sport. Uh, I think Garoppolo is going to come back. He's definitely uh, as good as uh, Shanahan made Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard look. Uh, He's definitely the better quarterback of the three. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm interested to see if he's able to bounce back this year and actually stay healthy and, and what he does, because if you go back and look at his statistics, he doesn't actually, and at least in my opinion, you know, kind of blow up. He, he If you look at a lot of his games, he throws like one touchdown, one interception, or maybe two touchdowns, one interception, but a lot of his games, it's just one touchdown or one interception, and you're not getting much else from him. I mean, he's putting up, you know, 200 something yards that's not going to survive in this year's and in this day's NFL and it's really interesting obviously if Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to do anything more with him obviously he hasn't really had a chance to kind of gel with Kyle Shanahan we'll see if they're able to build that offense around him um, but I'm really interested to see what he does because there's still a lot of people out there who think he's like a top it seems like they think he's a top five to ten quarterback in fantasy and in the NFL and I'm just not sure of that I think at this point with the injuries and everything we've seen from him he's a lot like a lot of players I, I need to see it right now I need to see him play a full season see what he can do before I'm going to trust Jimmy Garoppolo With that being said, Will McKinnon, who also suffered a fairly serious knee injury at the beginning of the season, or in preseason, I think it was right in between actually the start of uh, the last preseason game and the start of the season, which is just a horrible time to get injured. Will McKinnon be able to reclaim the top spot from Matt Breida? I think he's definitely going to be given the opportunity to reclaim the spot, but Breida showed he's he's a tough son of a gun. They have, uh, they get, he seemed to be perpetually injured last year and always showed up at game time and, and got the job done. So it's going to definitely be a split backfield, in my opinion, um, probably closer to 50-50 just because their skill sets are so similar. Uh, you know, they're both not terribly big. They both are tough runners. I could definitely see um, either one of them stepping up and taking the job and becoming the lead back. I think uh, Breida has maybe shown a little bit more explosion than McKinnon uh, in his opportunities in Minnesota. Uh, McKinnon uh, didn't necessarily have a great uh, YPC. Mm -hmm. And so giving 
given that, if Brita kind of puts up the better, if, if Brita is putting up the better stats, uh, I could see him becoming the one A with McKinnon being the one B. No, but going back to Garoppolo, I, he hasn't. He he doesn't have a, a a big portfolio of NFL work. But in his senior season at, at Eastern Illinois, the dude threw fifty three touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. So he can throw the ball. I think he's his thing is getting to the point where he's on the field for every game, having some uh, being in a quality offense and just getting the opportunity. Uh, I don't think he's going to come in and throw 53 touchdown passes this year in the NFL, but I definitely see him uh, being pushing to be an, a, a QB one. Okay. Well, then, uh, really quick, let me ask you: over under 35 touchdown passes on the season? What do you think this uh, in 2019? Uh, under. Under. Okay. I'd probably so, put the over under at 28. 28. Okay. So, uh, see, for me, I would say when you tell me that, I'm thinking. Obviously, if if he throws a, a a crap ton of yards and not many interceptions, for me that'd be a high end QB two. I don't I don't know if that would put him in the the QB one territory. I mean, if you're looking at twenty eight, I mean Baker Mayfield did that in in what what was it fourteen games, thirteen games last year, and I'd imagine he's going to get even better. And he didn't. I don't think he even finishes a top twelve quarterback at the end of the year. So that that that's my fear for for Garoppolo. I just I could be wrong. I'm not going to say that I'm 100% right on this because I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a very good offensive mind. I think everybody would agree he's a very good offensive coach. So he might be able to get the best out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I just think everywhere, every time he started, he's just there's, he's thrown very few multiple touchdown games, and I think that's going to be a big deal. He's going to have to do it. I don't know if that's just the offenses that have been around him, what's been going on, but we see we saw it in, obviously in New England – with Bill Belichick in that offense, and he had decent weapons around him there. And then for his few games there in San Francisco, where, yeah, he turned it around in San Francisco, started winning games, and that's why everybody got so excited about him. But the fact that in still most of those games he was still only throwing one touchdown, it just worries me a little bit. Well, I think 28 might be too low on the over-under. So if I if I moved it up to 30, then it's a little more, you know, it's pretty easy to pick the over at 28. At 30, I think it's a, a little, little bit tougher. Uh-huh. Uh, Minnesota had 30 touchdown passes last year, and that was the 10th most in the league. Gotcha. So that's going to put him in the Kirk Cousins territory. So 32 touchdowns were Goff and Rivers. Mm-hmm. So I kind of see – I can see him putting up numbers similar to that in, okay. in that offense. Well, then I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, 30 touchdowns, over or under? I'm going to take the over. Okay, see, I'll take the under. I think he's going to throw 28 or 29. That's just my opinion. I think, I think he's going to throw 12 to Kittle. Well, God, I hope so, but I'm a little bit worried about Kittle going into this year, to be honest with you. All right, so we, uh, my real quick uh, two cents on McKinnon. Uh, I do think McKinnon will be able to take over for Breida. I like Breida, um, but just kind of what you were talking about there, he, he played injured a lot, and I also think the fact that they were bringing in other, other guys, Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert looked better than Breida at times until he got hurt. Uh, Jeffrey Wilson, I think, not didn't look better than Breida, but he was a definitely interesting back back there, did some things. Uh, I just don't think Matt Breida is a guy, a guy that can hold down a backfield. I think he's still going to get some work with McKinnon, but I think McKinnon will take that job over. 
Um, I don't, honestly don't trust McKinnon that much either, though, based on his injury history. If it were me, I'd avoid both of those guys in every fantasy league if possible because I I could honestly see them drafting a back this year um, and then possibly even taking over the reins. Like, I'm, I'm just not sold on any of these guys here. So, yeah, like I said, I would just do everything I could to avoid both of them so I don't have to deal with that headache. Now we're going to move on to the wide receiver position here as we've got a question about them. Can Marquise Goodwin hold up as the wide receiver one on this offense? You know, and that is the question. They're, currently their top three wide receivers are Goodwin, Pettis, and Kendrick Bourne, and then uh, Trent Taylor kind of and Richie James sort of being the four and five. So they definitely uh, need some star power there. Goodwin, when he was healthy, showed that he could play. And but I just I just don't feel that I, I don't know that he can be that number one and sort of carry the team like a number one receiver will need to. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a, a rookie wide receiver that can uh, that has that more traditional number one profile, or if they take a look. I, I've seen a, a a lot of chatter about Antonio Brown going there. I don't know. I don't know if I give it a lot of credence. I don't know what's going on with Antonio Brown, so <laughs> right. I tend to avoid projecting him going anywhere. I think I could see Pittsburgh making Brown wait a season, t- just like they made Bell wait a season. So I- I'm just gonna sort of watch that and see what happens from afar. But Goodwin, if he stays healthy, if he can, if he can keep his health in line, I think he can be uh, a number one receiver for them. But I don't think that necessarily translates into a number one receiver for fantasy purposes, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, for me, I don't think so. I'm not that sold on Marquise Goodwin. He obviously has a ridiculous amount of speed, and I do think he's a by far one of the most dangerous deep threats in the league. But he can't stay healthy. And, and if you're not healthy and you're not on the field, you're not going to be able to produce um, a guy that I kind of like is Dante Pettis. I think he has a really good shot to possibly take over that number one again if Antonio Brown doesn't come over there again. It's kind of hard to talk about that right now. Obviously, there's a lot of talk that he could be going to San Francisco, but what are they really willing to give up to get him? Obviously, I think we both agree if Antonio Brown comes there, he's going to easily be the number one. Uh, so we'll just we'll, we'll throw that disclaimer in there right there. If Brown comes over, he'll be the number one on this team. But assuming he doesn't, and, and I think there's a – small chance that he does for me it's it's at Dante Pettis I think Dante Pettis looked awesome last year at times he showed that he's got great hands he can be a good wide receiver I think he needs to improve his route running a little bit Uh, but for me I think Dante Pettis is going to end up being the number one in this offense when things when everything's said and done here in 2019 yeah he's he's got as good a shot as anybody there um you know it's it's wide open so if he can uh if, if he can get on the field uh he what he had Looks like a 60% catch rate last year, 27 catches on 45 targets. Mm-hmm. So somebody in that wide receiver core has to has to step up. You know, Kendrick Bourne led them in targets last year. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he scares anybody. No. Well, I think a lot of that came from the fact that, uh, obviously, Goodwin and, and Pettis there at the end of the year, too, suffered some injuries. So it, it almost became like a, a necessity for, I think it was Bourne and uh, Richie James, right, I think was the other guy. Though both of those guys kind of really came on at the end of the year based on the fact that they were some of the only healthy players that the 49ers even had. Yeah, and I should say Kendrick Bourne led them in targets for wide receivers. Kittle gotcha. was the target hogging. Oh, yeah. So. God, I love George Kittle, man. Love George Kittle. 
So for the free agents, they have one of the they're one of the highest teams uh, in cap space availability here this year with sixty three million dollars. The only problem is there's really not a lot out there on the free agent market this year, which I think is the reason why a lot of people are pairing them up with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers to get Antonio Brown because they have the draft capital to move uh, to get Antonio Brown. Then they obviously have the cap space to bring him in and pay him uh, if they do want to restructure his deal like he wants whatever team gets him to do. But they've got Jimmy Ward and Pierre Garçon as their big free agents that they could possibly lose. Um, I personally don't think they should even worry about Pierre Garçon. Even if they don't get Antonio Brown, they could draft a wide receiver. I think that the core that they have and if they drafted a wide receiver would be better than, than Pierre Garcon, like Garcon, he was good for a couple of years. I just he he struggled too much with the injuries and everything lately. I can't see that they bring him back, but I would bring back Jimmy Ward because I do think he is one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I think that he. Obviously, he struggled with some injuries as well, um, I think through most of the year, if I remember correctly. I know he had the uh, broke his forearm, I think. Um, I want to say it was near the end of November. I think it was right around Thanksgiving. I, mean, I thought he broke his arm, got put on the IR, but he was very good, I thought, up until that point. I would definitely do everything I could to try and bring back Jimmy Ward, uh, but kind of would steer away from Pierre Garçon. Your thoughts on their free agents and then possible free agent moves? Yeah, I think I think uh, Garcon is sort of coming to the end. He's going to be that you know one year guy right now that is going to get a one year deal somewhere for close to the veteran minimum to come in and be a locker room guy. And if people get injured, then he ends up uh, playing a, a, a more prominent role. But I, I definitely think that the the guy from Mount Union is just about to the end there. <laughs> Uh, Ward's a good good cornerback, and so bringing him back would make a ton of sense. Uh, looking at their team needs, edge rusher. You know, there's a lot of edge rushers in the in this uh, draft. Defense is really strong. You know, I I think they need a, a number one wide receiver. So they're gonna they should be taking a look there and figuring out if they don't go get uh, Antonio Brown, then they need to be looking to nab one of these uh, wide receivers out of this class. Picking it two, I don't think you're going to take one there. Right. So trading back, they do need help on the edge. So grabbing somebody like Bosa or Williams uh, at two makes sense for them as well. Mm-hmm. And we we've seen that if you have a great defense, your offense doesn't necessarily have to be as prolific as uh, some of the other ones. You know, if they can bolster, they, they've they've invested a, a good number of picks in their defensive line. They've got some some uh, for a lot of first rounders in that defensive line there with. Brenson Buckner and Solomon Thomas and uh, a couple other guys that, that aren't quickly coming to mind, Eric Olmstead. So they they have a, a good, a pretty good defense, and making that defense better is going to help the offense. So with nobody, I don't I don't know that you're gonna you're not gonna reach up. You know, maybe maybe somebody takes Metcalf or Harry up there at, at the top, but probably not. So mm-hmm. unless they trade back, I would expect them to take one. Whoever is their top defensive end on the board there, uh, and then they're going to have to take a look uh, in free agency to fill some of their other holes because they they don't have a ton of picks. Yeah, so right now they're sitting with five picks. They have no fourth or sixth round pick, and uh, like you were just touching on, they pick at spot number two. 
their biggest needs are the edge rusher, cornerback, safety, and wide receiver. I obviously think bringing back Jimmy Ward is going to help them a little bit at cornerback, but they still need another one. I think cornerback and safety is probably when they're going to have to address in free agency. There's a decent amount of uh, cornerbacks and safeties out there. Obviously, some of the bigger name ones and like Robert Alford and everything already got signed to deals, but I think they could easily get some guys to kind of plug in the, to their defensive backs uh, there out of free agency uh, that I think could help them and they could really kind of touch on other spots in the draft. Defensive end or edge rusher I think is exactly where they're going to go with the pick two because you've got a couple guys right up there at the top. Obviously, I think man, with the way everything's going right now, it looks like Nick Bosa could honestly fall to them at two. I know it's it's lying season in the NFL and we don't know what to believe right. anymore, but there's a lot of talk, obviously, that Kyler Murray could be going to Arizona. So if that's the case, you got, in my opinion, the best player in the draft sitting right there for you at two. You take Nick Bosa, he immediately changes that, that defensive line for you. Um, and then I think you could easily start attacking wide receiver in the next coming rounds. I wouldn't even be surprised if they don't take a wide receiver right there at the top of the second. Uh, I know you just talked yeah. about how uh, DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry might go in the first round, but that's not a bad thing. You could honestly be looking at Kelvin Harmon, Hakeem Butler possibly falling in the second round. You take one of those guys right there at the pit, right there at uh, pick two in the second round, I think you've easily got a guy who could transform and become your number one right there. Well, it, it, you know, an interesting pick for them at, at- uh, 36 there. Debo Samuel would be, he's that guy. He's great with the ball in his hands and a good route runner. Uh-huh. Seems to catch everything. Uh, he's not big. He's, he's sort of that DJ Moore type of build, six foot, 215. But then he, he could become that safety blanket. He could become uh, Garoppolo's uh, Cooper Cup or uh, Julian Edelman. That would be, I, I think that would help transform that offense. And then that, that would make guys like Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, that would increase their value because now you've got that stud in the intermediate level. Might be a little bit of a reach at 36 to go get Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there's going to be more wide receivers. You know, Butler might be there at, at 36. Uh, I don't know what uh, you know how polished he is. Butler also has you know something you can't teach, which is uh, big. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I, I always bring up Butler because, uh, as as we talked about on the Combine episode with Jared, and I know you obviously know as well from our talks, uh, I'm a big fan of Butler. I think he's going to end up being possibly the best wide receiver in this class. Uh, but I, I I wouldn't see – well, maybe it's just because, again, it's so hard to take off those those, those scarlet and gray glasses there. But I think Paris Campbell is going to be better than Debo Samuel. Um, but I, I don't think Debo Samuel's a bad pick because I do think – Kind of what everything you were talking about right there. I think that fits into Kyle Shanahan's offense, though. I think he could easily plug him into like the slot wide receiver role and just make him into an extremely explosive weapon. So I wouldn't be surprised if they went that route. Uh, the reason I talked about Kelvin Harmon and Hakeem Butler is almost like to get one of those guys that can can almost do it all. I mean, Hakeem Butler doesn't have the speed that I think Kelvin Harmon's going to show um, at the combine. But I think uh, both of those guys can get down the field. They can make big plays. They're obviously very good at catching the ball. So that's kind of why I win one of those guys. But Debo Samuel, I think, is a good call on your part. I think that would be a very interesting fit into that Kyle Shanahan offense. And real quick before we move on to the Dynasty Risers and Fallers, actually have, uh, I want to ask you a question about their wide receivers real quick. So some people would say that their wide receiver core is not that good, obviously, with some of the players that they have. We were just talking about a couple of players that they could attack at the uh, – or a couple of players they could draft. Do you think they possibly take a couple wide receivers in this draft? Do you think they're just going to kind of focus on maybe one guy uh, to get in there maybe in the second or third round? 
I think it's, you know, I like James and Pettis and Goodwin, and they're all kind of that smaller in stature. You know, they're they're not big wide receivers. They're six foot, six one, but they're in the 180, 185, 190, 190. They're not, they're not, they're not those kind of dominant force wide receivers. So taking a, a somebody with a true number one profile and pairing that person with the, the three guys that they got, plus Trent Taylor, who is a more traditional little slot guy. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know that I, I feel like they, they have enough needs that if they, if they get one of the stud wide receivers, they don't necessarily need to add more early. They, they could add some late and, and see, but I, I feel like with the needs they have at edge at, at defensive back, um, and you can never have enough offensive linemen. Uh, you know, is Garrett Selleck who you want backing up your tight end in a deep tight end class? Maybe take uh, in the middle rounds, take take one of the young tight ends there. So I could see him doing it just because that's how the draft falls. But I don't necessarily think that's what they'll target. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I just I wanted to get your opinion on that. Like I said, uh, I'm high on a lot of these wide receivers coming into this class this year, so was interested to see if you think they might take a couple wide receivers again. That's, that's something that makes the draft uh, so interesting because there's just a – tons of different strategies these teams can take and it's always fun to kind of watch as it unfolds and then and then armchair uh, gm it after the fact and see if we would have done the same thing so the dynasty risers and fallers on this roster who are your risers and then who are your fallers mckinnon is my one of my risers because i think he's gonna he's he's gonna bounce back and take that job and garoppolo coming off of injury like i said earlier i think he's uh, gonna be right there in the qb1 talk so those would be the couple guys that I really would expect to have uh, quality seasons. For me, it's uh, it's Dante Pettis. Uh, like as I talked about earlier when we were talking about Marquise Goodwin, I think Pettis has a realistic shot to jump up and be the number one here. Again, assuming that Antonio Brown doesn't come here, um, even if they end up drafting a guy like Hakeem Butler or Kelvin Harmon, both wide receivers who I really like, I think could uh, easily be top wide receivers um, in the NFL. I think uh, – Pettis showed us a little bit of what he could be last year, and I think he fits in good in this offense. And with a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, he should be able to jump up uh, some boards here and be the number one for this team. My dynasty faller, it was very hard for me to do this too because I love him so much, but it's George Kittle. Uh, Just because I don't think he's going to get quite the volume he got last year if this team is able to stay healthy around him, if McKinnon is still there, if they draft a wide receiver, if they bring another wide receiver in, I could see Kittle losing some of his targets. Now, I still think he's likely going to be a red zone threat, and he's still going to be a viable tight end. I think he's easily going to be right up there still as one of the best three or four, at worst, five tight ends in the league, especially with as bad as the tight end position is for fantasy. Uh, but I do think he's going to take a little bit of a step back in the targets and receiving um categories this year just based on uh, on that team and the way I think it's going to end up filling out uh, your dynasty faller on the 49ers you know it's hard to pick anybody besides Kittle um, mm-hmm. just because he did have 136 targets last year and uh, almost 1400 yards if he is going to stay at what he finished second last year if I he's going to stay he third two, behind uh, Kelsey and Hertz. okay if he's going to stay there I could see him making it up uh, with touchdowns. He only had five touchdowns last year on 136 targets, uh-huh. so that wasn't that wasn't a real high number. Um, he did leave the team and uh, tied with Pettis 
for the touchdown lead in receptions. Mm. So that was good. But I think Garoppolo is going to be able to move the the team passing the ball better, and Kittle will be one of the main weapons there. So while he might not get 1,400 yards and 88 receptions, you know, if he drops down 200, 250 yards and 10 receptions but goes up from five touchdowns to 10 or 11 or 12 touchdowns, he might stay up there. If, if the touchdown production doesn't go up, though, he's definitely going to be a faller. Yeah. Yeah, I think my one fear in the touchdown category, too, for him is, uh, like, I could see him, I, I, I'm right there with you, I think he could easily fall, you know, close to 200 yards and, and with the catches and everything. My one fear on the touchdowns is they just have so many weapons there that will they go to him that often. You know, a lot of teams now, when you get down there, they're going to try some trick, well, I wouldn't say trick play, but they're going to do sweeps and stuff and everything. I mean, you know McKinnon's going to be involved if he's healthy, so that's what worries me a little bit. I um, mean, Kittle getting the touchdowns. I still think, again, as, as you just touched on, he'll be up there. He's going to be a top three or four or five tight end uh, just based on the position. But I just it worries me a little bit. I was I wasn't sure if you were going to jump on that with me too. But I think that's kind of the logical way to go here with this team. Uh, they just they had to rely on him because he was by far their best weapon all last year. He he worked well. Uh, he was a big easy target for those backup quarterbacks to go to. Now with Jimmy G out there, I just don't see them forcing the ball to him like they kind of needed to at times last year. Yeah, and Breda had 800 yards, and I can see him. Uh in a supporting role of McKinnon, still putting up 800 yards rushing. Right. I could see him putting up 800, uh, McKinnon putting up 1,000. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly where we're obviously we're both in lockstep here and thinking that with just that and again even if they don't draft a another wide receiver bring somebody in with the wide receivers they have they're going to start taking some work away from Kittle as well because a lot of those backup quarterbacks were just kind of taking the forcing the ball to Kittle right there in the middle because he was getting open and let's be honest he was making plays it's not like he was just falling over I mean he had a couple huge runs I think he had two 60 plus touchdown runs I know one of them was a touchdown I don't think the other one he he got tackled before he got in but he had two huge plays, multiple other huge plays. Like he was just an awesome player for them last year, but I just expect him to regress a little bit going into 2019. Yep. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com. I'll say it one more time marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com and we hope to hear from you soon moving on to the arizona cardinals and i'm just going to be honest here if it weren't for all of the talk that has now been happening here the past few weeks which i think has really just kind of worked out well timing wise for us and this being the last team we're talking about in the nfc uh there would not be much to talk about with this team in my opinion but the big question and it's going to be a two-part question, so you can uh, attack this one however you want real quick. Do you think Josh Rosen improves, or do you think they are going to go with Kyler Murray under center in 2019? Yes. All right. Well, that's cool. Let's move on to the offensive line. <laughs> I, 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 if, if, you know, maybe it's because I'm 
more of a I, I look more at the traditional style quarterbacks. I, I think Rosen is going to improve. So let, let's play the scenario. They don't take Murray. Okay. They keep Rosen. Yeah. And Rosen is their, still their starter. Yes. Uh, I think they need offensive line help. They missed 43 uh, games on their offensive line last year, which is a, a huge amount. And so their offensive line play was poor. David Johnson, while I think he had over 1,000 yards, he only averaged 3.9 yards a carry and, frankly, is a much more dynamic runner than that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the Cardinals' offensive woes can be tied directly to the issues they had with the offensive line. Right. Now, their offensive style is going to change drastically from Steve Wilkes to Cliff Kingsbury, but I think Kingsbury is going to be a smart enough coach that he isn't going to necessarily try to replicate that whole air raid offense verbatim from the college into the NFL. So, well, will will they be pass-heavy? Probably. You know, but most offenses in the NFL are now. You, there's not a lot of Seattle Seahawks offenses being run. Right. A lot of them, you know, they want to pass. They're passing short. They're passing long. Uh, they're getting the quarterback out, uh, out of the pocket and making plays down the field. So if Ro- if they stick with Rosen, is he going to improve? Yes, I think he is. I I I think I had him as my third quarterback, maybe my second going into last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I I think it was third. I think I went Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen. Gotcha. I think Rosen is a good quarterback, and he he is going to be a good NFL quarterback. It, the other scenario, they draft Kyler Murray. Well, if you draft Kyler Murray, it doesn't make any sense at all to keep Josh Rosen. Yeah, he'll be thirty-four gone. million in cap space, and to pay two first-round quarterbacks in back-to-back years uh, is really going to be difficult so they're gonna they're gonna have to move rosen and wherever he goes i still think he's going to improve so will would murray have held up better last year in in arizona he might have been able to avoid some of the the stuff because he is very mobile Mm -hmm. but he also isn't very big and so if he's taken pretty you know if he took 90 percent of the hits that that rosen took would murray be able to hold up to it uh you know one thing murray's not going to weigh in at his pro day so yeah he put on some weight for the combine and he didn't run so he's going to spend i'm not i haven't checked his pro day date but I can I can bet you he's going to probably drop ten or twelve pounds between now and his pro day. So when he runs that forty, he's still fast. Yeah. Oh yeah. No uh, doubt about it. So it's it's one of those scenarios where it, it, it if for Murray you have to bring in quarterbacks around him so that you run one offense <laughs> and Josh Rosen doesn't run the same kind of could Murray run Josh Rosen's offense? I think he could. Could Rosen run Kyler Murray's offense? I don't think so. Right. Yeah, so if we're to go through the two scenarios like you just uh, you just laid out, Rosen, I'm worried about him. I, I did not have him very high last year. I had my quarterbacks coming into the draft were Baker, Darnold, and then Rosen and Allen I had as a virtual tie. And in all honesty, it's because I just don't think Rosen is that good. I think by, he was by far the most pro-ready to come out and play. 
Uh, at least that's what I thought, and then we saw it. Now, maybe some of that was just due to the fact that the Cardinals, not just their offensive line, but as a whole team, just seemed to fall apart last year. They just, I don't know what happened, but that team just did not look ready to play every single week. They didn't. There was very few times that I saw the Cardinals playing. I was like, oh, wow, this is a good NFL team. That being well, said. Well, that bodes well for the Browns' defense, doesn't it? Well, I don't. I think a lot of that though is not on. Uh, if you look though at the games, the Cardinals' defense was actually very good. It was their offense that was bad. So I don't know if that was just a bad hire on Steve Wilkes' part, bringing in. I don't even remember who was calling the offensive plays Mike for him. Okay, well that might be why, uh, because the Chargers yeah. struggle sometimes too. Yeah, um, and then obviously I know they went to Byron Leftwich after the fact because uh, he he's now obviously in Tampa Bay with uh, Bruce Arians. So yeah, I don't I don't know if that was the issue because their defense was good, and that's exactly why I thought the Browns' hire of Steve Wilkes was an awesome move. Because again, I've I've talked about before uh, when he was the defensive coordinator in Carolina throughout his entire tenure, they were always a top ten defense, and they had a lot of moving parts in and out. It wasn't just the same defensive core. There. I mean, obviously they've got Luke Keekley, but they had Josh Norman, lost Josh Norman, and still, even though their secondary struggled a little bit, they were able to bounce back and still finish as a top ten secondary uh, and top ten defense all around. So he he's done a good job, and I don't think he was all Wilkes fault I think he just kind of got the blame but with yeah, Rosen I, I was teasing oh, I, I know I know I just wanted to clarify in case people thought you were being serious we we both kind of agree Steve Wilkes is a good coach and, and yeah it wasn't him but uh I just man I'm just it's hard for me to believe in Rosen I, I just don't think he's that good and, and like I said I had him right there with Josh Allen and, and Josh Allen I think is is a phenomenal quarterback his biggest issue is accuracy if he could throw the ball accurately, I, in all honesty, as much as it hurts me to say it, I think he could be better than Baker because he's got that running ability that makes him so dangerous in the backfield. But that being said, Rosen, I just I, – I got to see a lot out of him to improve this year. Now, I do think if he goes to another team, he does have a chance to improve because I think that they'll – that whatever team drafts him is because they're going to want him as their future. I don't think a team that needs a quarterback. I don't think to see the Jaguars trading for him. I, I, th- I think it's going to be a team. You know, I heard a lot. I've heard a lot of rumors the New England Patriots. I don't know if the Patriots do it, um, but I could see a team like the Chargers maybe making a move for Josh Rosen. Like, all right, here's the guy that we're going to groom under Philip Rivers for the next two years until Philip River when Philip Rivers moves on. I mean, that go kind of kill my Tyree Jackson uh, call earlier in the year because that's why I thought Tyree Jackson might go. But I could see a team like that making a move for Josh Rosen and putting him in there and, and just kind of letting him groom a little bit. I also could – I wouldn't be surprised if the Washington Redskins maybe made a trade for him. I know I remember last year there was a lot of talk about the fact that the Redskins liked Josh Rosen. There was talks that they might actually have taken him before Arizona traded up and got him. Maybe they make a move and they go get Josh Rosen. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, and I do think he'd start immediately if he went to Washington. Um, But I think what you're saying is is 100% right on the Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen thing. There's just no way. If they take Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen is gone. So I think if we see Josh Rosen obviously get traded before the draft, or if they take Kyler Murray at 1-1, I would expect Josh Rosen's going to get moved during the draft at some point in time in that first round because whatever team trades for him is going to have to give up a first-round pick for him. Would you agree? I, I would agree. Okay. So then I would imagine he's going to get moved at some point in time in that first round. Um, and, you know, just as you were talking about, you're going to have to bring in someone uh, that can play the offense like him, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, that might not be a bad 
bad pickup to pay, be a, as a free agent to come in and back up Kyler Murray. Um, but I just think Cliff Kingsbury, I think Kyler Murray fits his offense better. The kind of offenses that he ran in college and at Texas Tech, Kyler Murray fits it better. Can Josh Rosen do it? I think he could. Um, it's all just, again, going to come down to, as you touched on, the offensive line. They're going to have to improve that thing. I mean, maybe then Josh Rosen will look a little bit better, but I just have to throw out there. I am not a fan of Josh Rosen. I don't think he is that good. Uh, so for me, as as Hard as it is for me to admit this, I think I'm kind of on board with all the rumors. And if I had the 1-1 pick, I would take Kyler Murray. But it all is going to obviously depend on their grade of him. If they think that he is this franchise quarterback and this just deadly weapon that a lot of people think he is, um, then they would take him. And then last but not least on that, uh, I agree with you on the, the Kyler Murray thing. Oh, goodness, what was it? The weight. Uh, there's no way. I think everybody, if you guys – don't think he's not going to shed weight before his pro day. You're crazy. That's exactly what he did. He bulked up and everything for this. Now, the height thing I thought was big. I thought the fact that he weighed, he came in at two, uh, 5'10 was a big deal. Uh, but the 207 thing, that, yeah, he's going to lose the he's going to lose some weight before his pro day so that he can run and throw and look good back at his normal weight. So do you have any more thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury now becoming the head coach? Uh, uh, any opinions on how you think he might run this offense, what the team might look like going into 2019? You know, I, I think they're going to be you know, a movement-oriented offense. They've got Larry Fitzgerald, who's still there. They've got Christian Kirk, who's, who's good. Uh, they do need a third receiver, so whether Chad Williams finally steps up or they go out and get somebody else um, – do I think that Rosen can run the offense? I, I think he can. Um, do I think Murray will have a better NFL career than Rosen? You know, I'm. I, I got to be honest. I'm not sold on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I get that Murray is doing the. Uh, oh, I love football, and I'm, that's why I'm going to play football over baseball. But truth of the matter is, is if it's easier to, I think, play football first and have it not work out and then go play baseball than it is to play baseball first and then come back and play football, right. especially if you're a quarterback. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's the plan. Hey, I'm going to go to try football for a couple of years, and if it doesn't work out, you know, I've, I've made $25 million dollars. All right, let me go get my swing back, and uh, and I'm going to go play baseball and and spend 15 years making guaranteed money. Right. I don't know. It's no. a it's a weird situation. Uh, I I don't even know if Murray's good at baseball. Uh, I've never watched him play. I haven't even looked up any of his baseball stats. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, he got drafted at nine overall in the MLB. Uh, Draft and I mean I'm a big baseball fan as well. Um, I think he had a good chance to be a very good outfielder. Um, There's a lot of comparisons. Oh man, I just forgot his name. Ricky Henderson was it? Ricky? Yeah, Ricky Henderson okay. with his speed and everything. Like the the he's not going to be a big power hitter, but I think his speed and his ability to swing the bat, he would have been a very good kind of on base hitter. Which the MLB is kind of moving away from at least right now. Everybody's kind of going for the home run swings. But I think he'd have been a very good guy to get on base and steal bases. Uh, he would, have, I think, been a, a very good outfielder in the MLB. I mean, I agree with you. I, I, that's why I've never had an issue this whole time with what he's doing. Um, you know, you have, in my opinion, there's no shot. If you go to the MLB and it doesn't work out, you're not getting back into the NFL because you're looking at, I mean, 
easily probably three or four years before you maybe two two to three years but I don't think he's like Bryce Harper or Mike Trout level for any baseball fans out there you know who I'm talking about he, he's not on that level where he's going to get called up to the major leagues by you know his, his first or second season he's going to be a guy who's going to be down in the minors for probably three years so then you're looking at he's coming up in his fourth and fifth year already away from from now trying to make it in the major leagues, and then if that doesn't work, you're trying to turn around and then go into the NFL. I just don't see it happening. I know obviously Doug Flutie and Kurt Warner, guys like that, came in way later, um, but they're also, in my opinion, Hall of Famers. uh, Well, uh, they're better than Kyler Murray, at least in my opinion. So I don't see either one of – I just don't see the other way happening like you were just talking about. So this is the smart move for him. Let's go go try out the NFL. If it works, great. You're going to get a lot of notoriety. He's going to become the guy because, as everybody's been talking about, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, it's just a different level of stardom compared to if you're a, a star player in the major league in Major League Baseball. So now's the time to do it. Go out, see if you can make it in football. And if you can't, then go back to baseball and then make your name there. There's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with trying both we've seen a lot of players we've seen players do it um, obviously been successful on both sides of the ball and just because he isn't successful football but is at baseball doesn't mean anything against him and on uh Cliffs kingsbury really quick since i kind of got off on that that little tangent there um, i'm interested to see how he's going to run his offense because i am not sold that the way he ran texas tech is going to completely work in the nfl i understand that uh the nfl is moving toward more of a college game we, we've talked about that multiple times um it's kind of the reason why i think kyler murray would fit in well there because of the way that the teams are kind of now moving the pocket or allowing quarterbacks to be on the move when throwing the ball i do think josh rosen can do that it'll be interesting to see him do that uh, because he did play in more of the older pro style offense there at ucla he, he didn't play in an offense like cliff King- kingsbury is going to bring so i'll be interested to see how that works but i do think they have the weapons as you were talking about in fits christian kirk and david johnson that fit that offensive style well so all rosen will have to do is get the ball into their hands which i think he is pretty much capable of doing the cardinals free agents you know, speak, oh, speaking of king kingsbury's uh college coaching yeah so when he has a good running back he gets the running back the ball so. right DeAndre Washington, who's in Oakland now, was one of his running backs at Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. And uh, Washington had a 1,400-yard season running the ball for Kingsbury. Yeah. You know, I could see DJ having another, you know, 12, 1,400-yard season, uh, maybe 15, 1,800 yards from scrimmage, you know, 1,000 yards and 800 yards receiving, something like that. Right. So I think Kingsbury is going to – it's going to be more of a wide-open offense. And the quarterback is definitely going to have to be a distributor. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I think, uh, I can't imagine DJ goes any worse, gets any worse than what he did last year. And and, in all honesty, he wasn't that bad. He had a lot of really good games. I just think they moved away from the run way too often. I think that was part of the issues. You heard Steve Wilkes come out and say that multiple times to Mike McCoy that, you know, when you're giving DJ, uh, when you're giving DJ six carries a game, that's just not enough. Like you've got it. This guy's an explosive player. Why he wasn't getting the ball enough is beyond me. And that's exactly goes back to our, to come full circle there. The conversation we were having at the beginning of the, the Cardinals talk here is that it was, I think more Mike McCoy than anybody else on why that offense did not look good at all this past year. 
Uh, their main free agents, there's really only two, and they've already replaced one of them in J.J. Nelson and Ricky Seals-Jones. They obviously replaced Ricky Seals-Jones with Charles Clay. Uh, I personally am not a fan of Charles Clay. I don't think he, he has like one good game a month, uh, so I don't think that he's he's anything fantasy worth, fantasy relevant or anything to touch on there fantasy-wise, but they did replace Ricky Seals-Jones with Charles Clay. Uh, your thoughts on either one of them? I mean, they have 34 million cap uh he's a guy or this is a team that i thought should make a play for antonio brown i think you agreed with me on that um but if you didn't you can touch on that here in just a second uh, but for me um i wouldn't bring either one of these guys back i would just kind of try and the, their main needs are obviously offensive line cornerback edge and wide receiver i would try and attack the offensive line as much as possible with your free agency cap uh, cap room there and uh, and then move on from there but your thoughts on their the free agent they're two big free well I guess we'll just stick with one since they brought in Charles Clay so your thoughts on Charles Clay should they bring back JJ Nelson and then anything else that you think they should do free agency wise well bringing in Charles Clay doesn't necessarily mean they won't bring back Ricky Seals Jones but I do think Clay is better than Jones okay um, what does that really mean you, you know that's that's a tough question is is uh you know, does Clay only average one good game a month because of how he's used? Is it game plan specific? You know, that's the real question. I think Clay has put up, he has put up a couple decent seasons. And I think uh, if he isn't breaking down, then he has a potential to, to elevate the tight end position in Arizona. Arians didn't use the tight end. That that makes me nervous for O.J. Howard and Cameron Bright. Right. In Tampa now that Arians is there, but also I don't think Arians ever had a tight end as good as O.J. Howard or even Cameron Bright for that matter. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting bringing back uh, Ricky Seals Jones and pairing him with Charles Clay. It could it could work. Uh-huh. It, it could be good. You know, I don't think the tight end is going to get a ton of targets anyways. Seventy five, eighty targets for for the lead tight end would be. Uh, probably uh, the greatest they could expect. So you're probably looking more to 60, 65 targets for the tight end. Right. Um, in part because it's going to be, it'll, it'll be a volume passing offense, I think. I think DJ will get a good number of pass receptions. Uh, Larry's going to get a good number of pass receptions. Uh, Kirk's going to get targets. And, uh, you know, whoever their third is, is going to do the same thing. So it's it's a real opportunity for them to grow the the team their focus needs to be offensive line though yeah they they, they can't absorb 40 plus uh in, games missed to injury and expect that offense to to produce yeah, I'm right there with you. I think everybody would would agree that that's their biggest need right now. If you want, if you don't go Kyler Murray, you stick with Josh Rosen. Whatever you do, if you do go Kyler Murray and get rid of Josh Rosen, you got to improve that offensive line because nobody's going to be able to do anything. Whichever quarterback you have back there is getting hit three seconds after you call after you you call Hut because the the defenders are getting back there that quickly. DJ is going to continue to suck. Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk aren't going to get the ball. It's just going to be a mess all around. They need to quickly improve that uh, that offensive line. And well, crap! I just got a message on Twitter that Noah Font or Fant. I always call him Font, man. I'm, I apologize about that, Noah Fant. If you ever listen to this, I know how to say your last name. I'm just stupid. Uh, apparently, he's going off at the combine right now, which uh, makes me a little bit sad. But 
Well, I'll get to that in a minute because I'm recording it, so I'll just start over. But he just flashed with a lot of speed, apparently, guys. So if you're yeah, listening to this after the fact. Unofficial 4.51. Oh, man. Man, that's just that's just awesome. Well, we're almost done with this, guys. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about the – we have another special edition of the Combine Talk here coming up. Uh, the draft which Noah Fant will actually be in, obviously. So the, the draft picks that they have, they have 11 draft picks. They have three seventh-round compensatory picks, a sixth-round compensatory pick, and obviously they pick at one overall. Again, their needs are offensive line, cornerback, edge, and wide receiver. We'll just take this easy. We've, we've already talked about what they think. that we, Their biggest need is offensive line. We already know that. We know we would assume that they're going to attack that in the draft. I doubt they're taking somebody at one at the offensive line. I'm just going to put you on the spot. You're sitting there. Again, you know, they call you. Hey, Mr. Birdwell calls you. Hey, hey, Dennis, we're, we're getting rid of Steve Kime here. He's just he's just not doing it for us. We're bringing you in. I want you to work with Cliff Kingsbury. 1-1 one, one is yours. Calling in. Got your card ready. Send it up to Roger Goodell. Who are you taking? Is it Nick Bosa? Kyler Murray. Your thoughts? I'm taking Nick Bosa, but How that's because I, I, I think I think that Rosen uh, can be a pretty good quarterback. I think he, he has good potential, but he was in a situation last year where he just got the snot knocked out of him. Uh, the team didn't perform very well. So I'm going to take Bosa at one, and then I'm going to look uh, offensive line at two. And if somebody like Dalton Risner falls to me at, at pick 33 – uh, or who's the center? Elton Jenkins, mm-hmm. Elgton Jenkins. Uh, there was a Bradbury out of uh, NC State, I think it is. Yeah, uh, ran like a four eight forty, something like that. Crazy yesterday. Yeah. So he's very athletic. So maybe maybe take him at two. So there, there's plenty of good offensive linemen that you're going to be able to get in the second round, in the third round. You know, in the third round, you might be able to grab someone like Yadni Kajust out of West Virginia. Yeah, I keep seeing Isaiah Prince of Ohio State in the third and fourth round of mock drafts. And as somebody who's watched Ohio State, I just can't buy into that. Yeah. I think he's, you know, a seventh rounder at best because while he, he looks like Tarzan, uh, he, he plays like, you know, he's a walking penalty. I don't want to say he plays like Jane because right. he's – he, he can hold his own in the battles, but he's he's a false start holding machine, and I don't know that you can really – I don't know how to coach that out of him. He's improved drastically from his freshman year to his senior year, but still it's – it's he, he still gets too many penalties, and, and I think he's going to definitely be a project. Right. But go, going offensive line in the second and third round is going to really give – uh, Arizona some depth that they that they didn't have that they that they clearly needed last year. Yeah, I think on to touch on Prince really quick. I think the reason they have him that high is just based on the fact that this class is not deep at, at offensive line. So I'd imagine that you're going to have some team that's going to reach for him. I, I don't know if I'd say seventh round pick. I'd probably have him fifth or sixth. Um, I agree with you. He, he's a project. He's someone that's going to need some work. But I would imagine that's why that the dra- uh, draft analysts and everything have him that high is because the position is just it, it's weak this year that you're going to have somebody reach up and grab him. Um, for me, I'm right there with you in all honesty. I, I 
not sure if they actually will take Kyler Murray, but for me, I'm taking Nick Bosa because he's going to completely change that defense. I mean, you have him and Chandler Jones rushing the quarterback. All of a sudden, your defense went from good to elite, in my opinion. So uh, that's exactly who I would go as well, and then I would attack offensive line. Maybe try and grab a wide receiver uh, later on in the draft or possibly one of these tight ends if, say, you can get a you know, someone that me and Jared have both talked about, Jay Sternberger in the third or fourth round, you know, that might not be a bad move to pair with Charles Clay either. I know uh, we talked about they might bring back Ricky Seals-Jones. I, I don't think Ricky Seals-Jones is anything special. Um, so uh, whether they bring him back or not, if they could get someone like Jay Sternberger, there's a, there's a guy, I can't remember what his name is now that you were talking about. Maybe it was Dawson Knox uh, that I thought I was doing a little bit of research on after we talked. It uh, looked pretty good as well. Uh, so there might be a tight end I wouldn't mind taking here somewhere. Again, they have a ton of picks, a lot of compensatory picks, so they should be able to attack a lot of their holes in the draft this year, especially offensive line, and, and I'm a, I agree with you. That, that would be exactly where I'd go second and third round to try and improve that offensive line. Who are your dynasty risers and fallers on this roster? Well, after last year, I think everybody is a riser. Right. <laughs> Um, but my, my money is going to be on uh, DJ and Kirk. Okay. I think uh, Johnson is going to get the ball uh, a good amount. He is going to, uh, you know, he's a good running back. He can catch the ball. So he'll be on the field. I am a little bit concerned about Chase Edmonds, but hopefully uh, Kingsbury is smart enough to realize that uh, uh, DJ is the better back. Right. And then. Kirk, I think, is just going to – he's going to continue to improve. He flashed it last year, ended ended the season on IR. But I think he's going to – he's going to become the number one this season. He's going to take over as the top wide receiver there. Okay. Uh, mine, are, mine are both the same as well as David Johnson and Christian Kirk. Um, I agree on both statements. I, I'm not worried about Chase Edmonds as much. Uh, I think David Johnson is going to bounce back to what we saw from him a couple years ago. Maybe not be that number one one overall at running back, but I think he's going to easily bounce back and be, come back into that top four or five like he had been. Uh, Christian Kirk, I expect him to take another step up as well. Again, a foot injury last year, just kind of a, a weird thing. I, I don't expect that to hold. Uh, I don't expect him to have to worry about any injury issues going into this year. I think he'll be fine. I'm really excited for him, in all honesty, in 2020 when he's actually able to move into the slot because I think he's a much better slot wide receiver than he is an X. Um, and obviously we got Larry coming back for one more year. He's not going to supplant Larry this year. So Larry, I think, will be just fine there in the slot this year. And then Christian Kirk, when he moves in there in 2020, is going to be a huge sleeper. I think, in all honesty, has a chance to jump up maybe into that top-tier wide receiver two category, maybe even low-end wide receiver one once he's able to move into the slot for Arizona. Do you have any fallers on this roster? Well, I think Larry is going to be a faller just because he uh, is – you know, he's running at the – he's coming to the end of the career. He's going to get some targets, but he, he doesn't get big yardage anymore. He's playing out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rosen is going to spread the ball around, and Murray is going to spread the ball around. They will be better than than they were uh, last year, the team, that is. And if the team is better, then they don't need to, to – Keep focusing on Larry Fitzgerald. Some of the young guys will be able to step up. Uh, the running game will will start to take its uh, rightful place uh, again. So, for me, I think Larry. Unfortunately, you know, Larry is going to drop down. 
Gotcha. And for me, um, I really don't have one. I have Josh Rosen on here, and that's just based on the fact that I don't know what's going to happen with him. So for right now, if you were asking me, uh, he would almost have no value, in my opinion, because I don't think you could move him for much of anything uh, based on the fact that nobody knows where he might be going and the fact that Kyler Murray might be coming in and replacing him. Obviously, once the draft gets here, we'll know for sure if Rosen is going to be the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals or somebody else. Uh, but for other than him, I just don't think anybody else on that roster can fall any further than they've already fallen uh, this past year with the season that they had. So, that's going to do it for us guys today on the NFC West. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our episodes. We'd appreciate it. You're going to get everything quicker, all the news and everything quicker, obviously, if you guys do that. Me and Dennis will be back again on Monday. We will be talking about the AFC North, which I am excited about, obviously, being a huge Browns fan. Cannot wait to break down that division. And then we will be back again on Wednesday, uh, where we will be recording another special episode with uh, our first guest and uh, someone who just did an awesome job with us last time, and, and uh, Jared Wackerly. Uh, he did, obviously, the combine preview with us. We were both uh, thrilled to have him on. I know, I'm, I imagine we're both thrilled to have him back on again i know i am i'd imagine you are dennis you guys uh obviously uh hit it off on twitter and you helped him get started as he pointed out in the last episode so excited to have him on with us on wednesday so we can talk all things combine review all the prospects we thought hit it uh, hit it off who who kind of struggled and everything and then we will uh you know get that out there as quick as we can so you guys can listen to that so super excited to get all that done dennis before we cut out of here let us know where we can find you on twitter and where we can find all your articles and what you're working on well, I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to start doing some uh, combine review articles over at DynastyNerds.com. Uh, looking a little deeper at some guys that maybe weren't invited to the combine that I like, uh, some guys that weren't highly regarded at the combine that I like that uh, performed better than expected. Um, do a little bit of Dynasty 101 writing over there. I put out an article about a week and a half ago about your first offseason in Dynasty, um, what to expect, where are the checkpoints to keep yourself on track. Um, and then, uh, let's see. No, that's it. And then I'm here on the Fantasy Football Roundtable gotcha. with my illustrious co-host, Matt Bruning. Well, hey, I appreciate that. I need to get back out into to writing a little bit more. I've had to push that aside a little bit, but I definitely want to get back out there and continue writing. And you know, as I've talked about multiple times, guys, you know, check out his articles. He... Dennis does a great job with all those things. Definitely check out his uh, archived articles on uh, the Fantasy Life app blog as well uh, because he did a really good job with the Down to Dynasty stuff there. It gives you all different kinds of uh, different strategies and everything for, for Dynasty Leagues to take. But, Dennis, again, thank you so much for joining me today talk about the NFC West. Uh, enjoy watching the Combine, which I know I'm about to go do right now. I'd imagine you're probably about to go do the same. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy watching the Combine, and we will talk again on Monday about the AFC North. Right on, man. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play?